But good evening and welcome to Charters Towers Christian Outreach Centre. And I am really glad that you have joined us. And in addition to those also joining with us on our podcast service, a, a big welcome to all. And uh, my prayer is that this message will, uh, tonight, it will solidify your faith and strengthen your resolve to live for Christ in uh, what I call, and you would agree, our exciting days. I mean, we can call them a lot of things, but we'll just go with exciting days tonight. But tonight I would like to bring the first of a two-part message called The Council of the Lord That Shall Stand. And part two will be given on this Sunday, God willing, and we'll have a different title being Standing Approved of God. And uh, the messages are on close inspection, very closely related, but each requiring specific ten attention. And so form part A and B of a two-pack message. Who knows that in, when you have two-pack, when you bring the two together, it's all the more stronger. And uh, that's really what a marriage is like. You've got part A and your part B. On your own, there's a certain amount of strength, but with together, you are hundreds of times stronger. Amen? That's true. But I'd like if you turn in your Bibles to a proverb, and it's called a Proverbs 19.21. And it says that there are... There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. In other translation, the will of the Lord shall stand firm. Yahweh's counsel will prevail, says another version. Or the purpose of the Lord is unchanging. Another one says God's purpose is unchangeable. In life, you will find after a period of time, not even so long, that there are few things that stand the test of time. I'm a carpenter by trade, and things that you built as an apprentice, they're no longer even there. Some of the houses we built when I was an apprentice are no longer even there. It's amazing, isn't it? That, uh, but... Uh, that will prevail and that are unchanging or unchangeable, there are few things on the earth. The best of man's counsel has produced world empires which all meet their inevitable downfall and fate. And the UNESCO world sites are basically archaeological sites of the best of man's counsel. Today, the methods of big business, the methods of show business and the methods of the advertising business, well, they're all contrary, meaning they're at odds at and they're ultimately directly opposed to the ways of God. The methods of men and the ways of the Spirit are what you would call diametrically opposed, meaning that they're not even uh, uh, directly opposite, but they are actually incomparable. That's what it means when something is diametrically opposed. And... Um, when as believers we feel the need to compete with the ways of this world on its terms, I often feel that God would say as though he did through King Jehoshaphat, is there not a prophet in Israel? In other words, you don't have, you don't you have godly counsel and wisdom to draw upon? And that's what the believer should be thinking. And so when we no longer sense the presence of God and his leading, I always advise, don't be tempted to bring out the smoke machine and hire lighting to make up the difference. To be like the world, to win the world, is to reject the counsel of God 
and to listen and take heed of a different voice and a different spirit, no matter how good it looks or it sounds. It looks like a great idea, it sounds like a great idea, but inevitably it will not stand for very long. In the Old Testament, they said, call for the Urim and Thummim, which was a means of seeking God's counsel and be not content till the word of the Lord had come, not in word only, but in the New Testament also in power. And so to seek God and to take counsel in his word till the written or the logos word becomes the rema or the audible or the active voice of God, which will bear witness to your spirit. Who knows that? When the word of God is made living and powerful, it, there is a witness in your spirit because God has placed it there. And Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endure, endures forever. And tonight I'm speaking about the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. As the withering grass and the fading flower is the counsel of men, God's word and counsel endures not only for this time and for our own lifetime, but for all eternity. In 1 Samuel, in chapter 15, we read of the bleating of sheep. Who remembers that? And, and uh, King Saul, he was disobedient to the God's instruction. And uh, Samuel the prophet came and said, What is this bleating of sheep that I can hear? Because everything was to be terminated. And so when we lose, and he cast down, basically Saul cast aside heaven's directive and implemented his own. And too often I can do that, or I can water it down. God's given us a directive, but we think better of it, and we push it aside or marginalise it and do something different. Nobody else here would be like that, but I was like that. But so, but so when we lose that supernatural leading of God, when God delays, we heard that God's delays are not always God's denials, but God delays and we begin to revert or go back to old methods and begin to implement or substitute the ways of the spirit with the ways of the flesh. Amen? That's what we do when we begin to implement our own ways and we no longer sense his leading, you will automatically look for an alternative. So it's a sad day when we stop seeking God and perhaps you'll seek another PhD or doctrine in theology to fill the void that only God can fill. Somebody says, I'll just go and get another doctorate. I don't sense the presence of God, so I'll increase in learning. Now, there's nothing wrong with either of the PhD or the additional doctorate, but the operative words are when we stop seeking God. And when you begin to seek God, God's leading and counsel is present. Is present. Many lecterns and pulpits, well, they're filled with intellect and learning, yet can be void of spiritual power. And that's true. And the counsel of God said to, be, said to the embryonic church in Acts 1.8, go into the city of Jerusalem, which is the city of the great king, by the way, and wait until you are endured or clothed with power from on high. Isn't that a clue for us? The counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. That's what I'm speaking about. That was Jesus' counsel to the believers when ushered in Pente and that ushered in Pentecost and the church, and, and it is all to believers to this day, to go into the city of Jerusalem and wait until you are endured with power 
from on high. When God and the Holy Spirit retreats into hurt silence, and that, and that can be a fact in many churches, the many programs needed to fill his absence is what we call the machinery of church. And you'll find when there's an absence of the presence or the Spirit of God, you need a lot of stuff to substitute it. You will need lights, you will need smoke machines. When God's not in the house, you'll need all the above. You'll need every program you can think of to a point where you don't even need God and the counsel of God is marginalised or belittled. And although full of ourselves, we're left anorexic in the spirit. And so we create Ishmael's in our impatience that causes grief and God's best, the Isaac of promise, although slow to come in, in our own eyes, is always worth the waiting for. Amen? The Isaac of promise is always worth waiting for. The counsel of the Lord is always worth waiting for. And the results are not based on achieving quick outcomes. God said he's not the quickest. He's never said that. Meanwhile, light comes in at 302,000 kilometers a second every second. That's pretty quick. But instant and measurable results, I mean, the business community is looking for KPIs, well, all these cliches they use, key performance indicators. And people want to implement those sort of things in the church. Key performance indicators, are we growing? Let's have a look at the tithes and offerings graph and all this sort of stuff. But the Bible says, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Amen? And performance indicators and solutions. But, and it's a big but, amen? The counsel of the Lord will produce fruit. And the Bible says in John 15, fruit that will remain. Amen? That is the promise we can all hang on to. In John chapter 15, many of you will know this uh, uh, chapter. The word abide is mentioned nine times in this one chapter. In fact, it's a really favorite word of the Apostle John. He's got a handful of really, really favorite words unique to John. And so that word in one chapter is mentioned nine times. Abiding in Jesus Christ is taking the counsel of God. Bearing fruit is the result of taking God's counsel and that is mentioned seven times in that same chapter. And so abiding in or taking the counsel of God and producing fruit and fruit that will remain go hand in hand. I want to stand approved of God in life. And that's the title of my next message on Sunday, God willing, Standing Approved of God. And uh, my life is worship is played to the audience of one. Amen? How differently we, would we sing? People say, I don't worship much. I don't sing much. I haven't got much of a voice. Oh, I think we have. The Lord Jesus Christ is the managing director. He's the CEO, CEO of this universal operation. And I want to please the boss. And uh, I got a prophetic word, and it was this. I call the shots, saith the Lord. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? I call the shots. And, uh, but you will not come to me that I might give you rest, says the Lord. Isn't that? That's what it says. You will not come. When you come to God, you are taking of the counsel of God. 
And you will not only find rest, but peace in the counsel of God. I have found when making decisions, if Jules and I uh, come to making a decision, if we do not, or if we lose our peace in the midst of making that decision, we go back to God. And I think it's a great measure of being in the will of God. I say, forget the smoke machine. Give me the glory of God any day. Save yourself some power and tap into some real Holy Ghost power. Amen. You really don't need that smoke machine after all. Resist the temptation to implement the counterfeit as good as it may seem. In Matthew chapter 5, and I'll rattle off the verses if you want to take notes, verses 21, 27, 33, 38 and 43, You'll see a couplets, that's two sayings that are removed generally by one verse or not at all. Five times Jesus said, you have heard it said. And then he goes, but I say unto you. In other words, there is a, a council of the world or this is what the crowd's doing. This is what the crowd is saying. Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. See, that's the council of the Lord. That's the council of the Lord. And we've heard heaps and heaps of stuff on a daily basis. Turn on the TV, turn on the radio. Goodness gracious me, talking heads everywhere and not a bit of sound advice amongst any of it. I was working with a Jacob, a young labourer, uh, some time ago and he said, because he knew I was a lay preacher at that time, and he says, and he says, and do you like philosophy? So I said, trying to get on with him really well, I said, Jacob, I hate philosophy. <laughs> I got no regard for the opinions of self-appointed humanists who have no regard for the laws of God. I'm not out to make a friend in that way, but I'm there to speak the truth. It said, speak the truth in love. But he was surprised at my response. I didn't try to come alongside, didn't try to agree, but I said exactly what I felt. I said, I hate philosophy. I have no regard for the opinions of self-appointed humanists who have no regard for the laws of God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And it's identically repeated also in Proverbs 9.10. The World Forum, in its great wisdom, says there is a multiplicity of gods. The world says that there are many roads to enlightenment. Choose one and follow your heart. Oh, the Bible says that the heart above all things is most deceitful. Amazing, isn't it? I, I say trust your spirit because the spirit will take you where your head cannot. But God himself has placed eternity in the heart of men as written in Ecclesiastes 3.11. But people have an inbuilt desire to know their end and there is no shortage of counsel, counsel to choose from. The Bible says emphatically, clearly, without apology, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Amen? So it flies in the face of everything that you will hear in our education system. And so I'm not against education, far from it. It never pays for anybody to remain stupid. I believe in education. But when it comes directly against the things of God, I stand Firmly against the Bible says that above all things, the heart is most deceptive, and it has a natural tendency because of our natural fallen nature 
to be independent from God. Amen? And even as a spirit-filled being, we can revert back to the ways of the old man. I'm not talking about your father. I'm talking about our old nature. Amen? So guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. I've mentioned this man before, Voltaire, and he's a French atheist and philosopher, and he died in 1778. And he roamed the royal courts of Europe for the whole of his life. A quick-witted man, funny, humoured, and well-accepted. But he boasted that within 100 years of his time, the Bible would be a non-existent thing, and it would be replaced by his own work, which is that of philosophy. Fifty years after his death, I'm pleased to announce to you today, the Geneva Bible Society Society bought, bought his house and his printing press, and, uh, and printed stacks of Bibles in his living room. Amen? It's just the humor of God. I love it. I love it. I love it. Becoming His own house became a distribution point of Bibles throughout all of Europe. Amen? So Voltaire, he's become a historical footnote. Has anybody here heard of Voltaire? Okay, we have heard of him, but he, we don't even know that much about him, really. Um, he's a footnote. But the Bible continues to increase in every part of the world. The Bible is the counsel of God. Amen? The whole counsel of God. For my God, he is a jealous God. He made you. And he's an authorized dealer. He is the authorized manufacturer. And he's also your servicing agent. And to go anywhere else is an abomination to him. Who wants to buy a Cox lawnmower or one of those... Oh, that's a swear word, isn't it, I think? Boys and Husqvarna, ride on lawnmower and get it serviced somewhere else. It's unheard of. You lose your warranty. He does, this is God. He doesn't willingly give you your next breath to seek the author and the advice of another. You understand what I'm saying? God doesn't willingly give you your next breath so that you can get advice from his adversary. It angers God for you to seek counsel from another. God is greatly displeased when you put, on a, uh, put God on a par and his word with the counsel, with the counterfeit, dressed up even as an angel in light. There are many counterfeits. We are surrounded by counterfeits of God and people all too willingly to want to cram their advice into your life, whether you even want it or not. But it's counterfeit. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's good advice for every single Christian. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So there's a promise from God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. When prior to my conversion in 1992, I worked through a long session of depression, and I praise God for it because it brought me to the foot of the cross. But as a young man, it set me on a search to get the burden off my back. I want to say that a lot of depression that a lot of us feel these days, particularly before we come to Christ, and even after, is because we're carrying a burden we were never meant to carry, but also sin has its own burdens. 
and the, and the burden that I was carrying was as a result of the lifestyle of sin that I was uh, living. And you just can't medicate sin, amen? There are other things called circumstantial depression. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about a lifestyle of sin which also brings a burden of depression on us. I sought the help of friends, family, doctors, physicians. I went to psychiatrists. I went to dietitians and nutritionalists. And anywhere there was counsel, I went looking. And I knew that I was an incredible, I was a, almost a cot case. I was uh, taking 16 tablets of lithium for breakfast for two years. That was just for breakfast. They don't prescribe that anymore because it's killed too many people. There was a self-help group that I went to and it was called Grow. It was a wonderful thing because it brought me to the cross. Amen? I sought the counsel of the world and came up with nothing. But when I began to see God, oh, it was a great thing. I went to this self-help group and I was starting to show some promise. And I'm thinking, here is the answer, this self-help group called Grow. And I don't knock it because it did have a godly contact in it, a little bit like AA. And, uh, but the man who gave a great testimony of the success of the program was a man that I knew very, very well from a rotary club that I belonged to. And he gave great testimony to how Grow had helped him. And I thought, this is the answer. But the following week, they found him in his bathtub with cut wrist. And he had kill killed himself, committed suicide. And I realized then, a week ago, I had heard his great testimony, only to realize that the council of men did not see him through. And so I then remember thinking, when I had nowhere else to go, I had exhausted the wisdom of this world, and I was still greatly, greatly depressed. I remember returning to a church after 14 years. I'd not walked into a church other than Christmas or Easter for 14 years, since the age of 14. And I recalled a great peace, sensing that I was coming home. I didn't know Christ, I wasn't born again, but I knew that I was in the house of God. I searched for a wooden cross that I thought was in the bottom of a box at the bottom of my wardrobe to no avail. And it was, the reason is simple. It wasn't a Jesus on the wall that I needed, but a Jesus in my heart. Amen? Not having Jesus as, a, as a something in my mind, but having Jesus as a reality in my life. And at the age of nearly 29, I was 29 years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I exhausted the wisdom and the counsel of the world and came up with nothing. But when I came to the foot of the cross, I was born again of the spirit of the living God and I have never looked back. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In contrast, God says, I am the Lord your God, I change not. In other words, he's the God who doesn't change the goalposts. Amen? He says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you reach the goalposts, I never move them. Who's ever been involved in something and they move the goalposts on you? And you thought you were there, but you're not there at all. Because when you the thing is, when you reject the truth, and you come to the truth and you walk away from it, there's a great, there's a great 
a, a tragedy in rejecting the truth because all it is left now to believe is a lie. And there will come something your way. If you will not believe in the truth, you will ultimately believe in something. The great contrast. Proverbs 16, 20, and, uh, it says, He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Amen? Trusting in the Lord is not always understanding everything, but trust is faith in full bloom as I've heard it said so many times. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Amen? So there is the way of man, the counsel of man, but ultimately it will lead to you to another UNESCO site, an archaeological site of some great dynasty that has faded away. And so the gospel according to Oprah the gospel according to Dr. Phil, the counsel and the wisdom of men, it will fall to the ground. The gospel according to the scientific beliefs of the day. And I was thinking about it. Why do they call it the scientific beliefs of the day? And the answer is simple, because tomorrow they change. Isn't that amazing? They say, well, this is the scientific thought of the day. It means it's just a basically another philosophy. I believe in science. I believe science is the study of working out how God does stuff. That's my technical uh, reasoning. But I have found the ways of men, even when it looks good, even when it's dressed up, is like chocolate-coated gravel. Once the initial coating has been removed, the rest is difficult to swallow. And that's true with the ways of men. And so we have a loving father and a friend and that we would have the mind of Christ and all the mind of Christ. And um, as Jules just comes to the keys now, I'd just like to bring just a short scripture here in Second Chronicles in chapter 10 and verse 8. And we find one of the greatest examples of heeding the counsel of God. And, and in this chapter we find Solomon's son Rehoboam come to the throne. He was a young man. He was a cocky man. He was a man who never had, had to work for much. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. His father Solomon and grandfather David knew what it was to war and to earn what they had. But Rehoboam, he was a, a, an elitist, I suppose. As a young king, he rejected and he traded the godly counsel and time-tested advice of his father's court. You can read it for yourself, and I encourage you to do so. And he took the advice of his young friends who he had grown up and gone to school with. Solomon is described as one of the most uh, wise men in all the earth. Why would you reject the counselors, the godly counselors that Solomon had handed over to his son. Within three years, Rehoboam had to trade the gold shields and, uh, that were in the tabernacle and bullion of the empire and pay tribute to the Egyptians. And he replaced the gold shields with bronze. And when we trade godly counsel, for anything else, 
we too are trading gold for bronze. Bronze looks a bit shiny. Bronze looks a little bit the same. But you only have to pick it up and know that it is an absolute counterfeit. It's shiny, but there's no real substance to it, nor amazing worth with which God has in the, the substance of gold. And I see when we trade godly counsel for anything else, we are too trading our gold for bronze. We're trading that which is precious for that which is counterfeit, which was those bronze shields. And today we are surrounded by bronze. We are surrounded by that which is counterfeit. It looks good on the outside, but there is no substance to it. I'll finish with the great proverb which I started with, Proverbs 19.21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. I pray on Sunday that you'll tap into this message, the other part of this message, meaning standing approved of God. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring this body of believers before your throne of grace and to those listening online. I pray, Lord, that we tap into the counsel of God, not as a last resource, as I did, Lord, when I came to faith. But it would be our first port of call, Father, to call upon your name and seek the mind and the heart of God in all things, in all of our lives. I pray, Lord God, quicken this word to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's play.